0: able to worship with you this morning. And, um, it's, um, it's a great privilege just to come here with the Thames Valley Church. I know he's not the whole church, but um, it's such a joy to be with you and uh, with our dear friends, Tim and Chevy. No, Tim, as Tim, uh, so, um, you probably know, he's, we, goes back, we go back really, really back to the early days of the ministry of the church, I mean, way, way back, back in the early 80s when we used to fellowship with Adam and Noah. and. And Moses and so on. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's such a, it's such incredible Don't, not just to see all of you doing well, but even the next generation. Yes, I'm so inspired by your welcome. Um, just to uh, see the millennials with their mobile phones it's, it's so great. Um, to see that, that Jesus has touched every generation. And, uh, I, I pray that some thoughts I have this morning will, help, will impact our hearts, so we can be better disciples of Christ. Okay. Now, you, you, you think about great combinations. What do you think of? You know, if I were to do a, a, a little quiz here, if I say salt and pepper, pepper. pepper. no, and rugby. <laughs> 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 macaroni and cheese, yin and yang. Yeah. Yeah. This one's Gillian's favorite, gin and. <laughs> you know, you know, bread and. Yes. Um, How uh, about my favorite, peanut butter and. Oh, yes. That's what I lived on as a student for the, for my student life. But um. Also, if you're in Thames Valley, one of the greatest combinations is Tim and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to talk today briefly about the greatest combination, and if you go ahead and turn your Bible to the Book of um, John, Chapter One, which is one of my favourite chapters, not just in the Bible but in all literature. Oh, wow. You know, it's obviously... The greatest combination, I think, of characteristics that character epitomise the greatest man who ever lived, and that's um, obviously Jesus. And the the combination I want to talk about today is grace and truth. And um, if you look in John chapter one verse one, and uh, if you're a young Christian or wherever you are. The, the, the John chapter 1 is God would be there in one of the scriptures you should really just internalize and memorize, I, I feel. But we read it from verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And jump to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of the fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And now the the Gospel writer John here conveys incredible fact. He talks about the word Jesus coming to earth in flesh. And how previously our relationship with God as a Jew was based on the law of Moses. And so the law showed us how we need to live our lives. But it didn't help us live our lives. The law showed us how far we were from God's standards. In a Latin signpost saying, This is, you know, 200 miles from Manchester. He didn't actually help us get to Manchester. Mm, But he said, "But when Jesus came, he showed a different way. He was full of grace and full of truth. Mm -hmm. And it was the way that God's plan for all of us to have a relationship with him. I don't know about you, but, you know, you talk about, we have many many relationships in our lives. There are people who are encouraging, the people tend to be you know, encouraged and always speaking the best of you. Tend not to be the same people that tell you the truth as it is. <laughs> you know, you often find you know, the, 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 you know someone pulls you aside, bro. I want to talk. I have some truths to mention. You know, your heart starts, heart starts getting you know, a bit protective. Or if someone says, bro, I need to tell you the honest truth, mm. or the, the brutal truth, or the the naked truth. You know, and yet. The Bible says that Jesus didn't strike a balance between grace and truth. He was full of grace, at the same time full of truth. And I, I submit to you, you know, when Jesus in all of his interactions, you know, you read through the Gospels, you know, he epitomized both those qualities to the mass. And we're going to look at one in particular just today, but I just even just highlight some examples. And then when, for instance, you in know, in Mark chapter 10, when he encountered the rich young ruler, if you remember the script the, the, the scriptures, it said Jesus looked at him and loved him. Oh. So obviously the way his body language, his manner, and his tone of voice conveyed love and grace to the rich young ruler. However, he didn't hold back in what he said. When the, when the rich young ruler said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know. Obey the commands," he said. "All these have done since I was a boy." He said, "One thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me." And then the Bible says he went away sad because he had great wealth. But you know that's a great example. You know Jesus was full of grace in his in his manner, but also didn't hold back on the truth. Told the man what he needed to hear. Now sadly he didn't respond. In another example, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus just coming off the back of fasting for four day, 40 days, he goes into the Synagogue in Nazareth. And if you're familiar with the story, everyone was saying, what, what gracious words are coming from this son of Joseph. But then he sits down and preaches from the book of Isaiah, and then sits down and the Bible says, Jesus says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Incredible truth that, hey, I'm fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah right now, today. I mean, he didn't hold back on the truth, and yet he was full of grace. And I do, I do believe, you know, as followers of Jesus, these are qualities that we need in abundance in our lives. Especially in the area of grace. Because the basis of our relationship with God is nothing to do with our performance as people or as Christians. It's everything to do with God's grace and He's forgiven our sins, even as Anna shared in the communion. You know, it's our right to come to God, to worship in the clear conscience. Is absolutely everything to do with what Jesus has done and not what we have done. And I want to talk about an example. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. You know, it's a great example, and this is Probably the passage, one of the two passages I've heard more sermons on than any sermon. <laughs> but I do think it's just it's such a great, great example of Jesus epitomizing how we need to be. in, uh, in John chapter four, it's the it's the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. We pick it up from verse seven. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "I just put some in the Jesus is passing through Samaria." If you know the background, the Samaritans and the Jews hate each other. And the Jews particularly hate the Samaritans because they're kind of half-breed. They're neither Gentiles nor fully Jews. And, um, and, 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 and most Jews of the day, most pious Jews would never even go through Samaria. They would walk, go take the trouble, go an extra day and walk around. And so they wouldn't be contaminated by Samaritans. So that's how much the hatred was. And so Jesus is here at the well in Samaria. I pick it up in verse 8. The Samaritan woman said to him, Oh, Jesus said, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that asks you for a drink? You had marked him, and he would have given you living water. <coughs> Sir, the woman said, you don't have a bucket, you have nothing to draw from, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank of it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water well enough for eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and keep having to come back to the well to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You know... We, it, the situation is this, it's the middle of the day, this is not the time that people get, get water from the well. You know, most people get water from the well first thing in the morning before the heat of the day kicks in. <laughs> but this woman, obviously as we, don't, but we found in a few minutes, was had a very shameful life, her life was a complete mess. And now, not only, as she said, I have not no husband, and then Jesus' reply. You were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man that you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. I mean, can you imagine how the woman must have felt when she heard those words? How did this man know that? But also, Jesus, right addressed, right within three minutes of the conversation, addressed the real issue in her life. The truth about her life. The fact her life was a mess. She, she wanted relationships. But she just couldn't connect. And she was, you know, you know, you can imagine she was becoming a woman who was in shame, who had guilt. And yet Jesus went straight. And the very fact he brought it up, in truth, in, in the manner in which he which she did, and you know, engaged her in conversation. You know, here we have the grace of God, the fact that he would want to even engage with her but also the fact that he knew the truth and still wanted to engage. And then you know, the conversation goes on, and we see the woman, you know, she tries to keep it sort of impersonal and detached. Well, I know the Messiah, the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus replied, that's what I've been doing for the last 20 minutes. No, no, he didn't say that. But <laughs> <laughs> Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you, I here." And then the disciples returned, and the surprises find finally She's talking to a woman. When no one asks, who do you want? Why do you ask, talking to them. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, and this is incredible, she says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Could this be the Messiah? They came onto the town and made their way towards him. They yeah, stopped there. You know, Jesus had a five, ten minute encounter with this woman. And in the course of those 10 minutes, he goes straight to the issue in her life. He addresses, so to speak, the elephant in the room with respect to her. The fact that she, in the wanton love, wanted all these five husbands, was living the man wasn't her husband, which in that society was incredibly taboo. And Jesus goes straight there and he acknowledges that he knows the truth about her life. And yet, because he was engaging with her, and because, I and mean, you can imagine, Jesus was in a gentle, even he goes to, 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 the, to the length of making say, hey, what you said is quite true, encouraging her, he connected and conveyed to her, hey, I know who you are, but me, God still wants to engage with you. Mm-hmm. I still want to have a relationship with you. Despite who you are, what you've done, I want to overlook the guilt, and the shame I want to commit. And in that five minute conversation, she was so moved. The the sin, the burden was taken off her shoulders. She was set free. So much so, she left the water by the the bucket, and she ran into town, and the first thing she said was, this is a man who told me everything I ever did. He didn't actually do that. (laughs) But basically what she said, this is the man who hit the nail on the head with regard to me, yeah. who addressed my real issue, yeah. and is let me free and say it's okay. Yeah. I'm forgiven, I'm valued by God. Yeah. I know Jesus conversation full of grace and full of truth. Yeah. My question to all of us you know, the truth is we, okay, you think about this woman was no, we in many respects are very, very similar to this woman. You know, we come to God, even as a Christian sometimes, we come to God with burdens in our hearts. We come to God with unresolved sins or issues, and we feel unworthy. Hence, we don't go at the right time of day. We, we feel a burden, and there's shame in our lives at times. Especially when we're not a Christian, that's often the case. And we sometimes forget that God really, really, really wants to engage with us. And God already knows our situation, and, you know, but, but sometimes we need to be reminded that how God's nature, Jesus' nature here, really want to engage. And that, uh, and that, you know, this problem, you, we fail to understand at times how much people want forgiveness and acceptance. I heard this story, which is, um, this happened in there um, in Washington, D.C., Basically, there were this, three families got together, it was in the summer, they had a big barbecue at the back of one of their homes, and they were just in a wonderful barbecue, just the, at the end of it, they were just having, uh, having a drink. And an intruder, bursting from the front of the house, grabbed one of the, the girls, a 14-year-old girl, and put a gun to her head in front of everyone, and said, okay, give me some money or the shooting starts. And can you imagine how just everyone was totally petrified and just was stunned for a few seconds. No one said anything. It was just so shocking the situation. There was this man with a gun to this teenager's head demanding money. And when the silence was broken, one of the ladies said, Well, we're just finishing up here and we're just going to have a drink. Would you like a drink yourself? To the would be murderer and, and thief. And so he gave her a glass of wine and gave him a glass of wine. He's drinking. He said, This is, this is nice wine. He said, Do you want some more? And, you know, he said, hey, take the whole bottle. Wow. And then, after, and after a few seconds of awkwardness, he said, I've made a mistake. This is the wrong house. <laughs> uh, but before I go, um, can I have a hug, please? This is the this is the would-be murderer. So he gets home and then after that, can I have a group hug? So then, you know, he only on the was this is absolutely what happened. And they had a poke, and then he group hug, and then he left. Now, no, What does that tell me? It tells me that, that man, like all of us, wanted a connection. You know, he wanted someone to value him and love him in his life and to to, invent even desperate measures to do that. But you know, it shows just even that little outreach of love connected with him. Now, Jesus is there wanting to connect with all of us. In a similar manner, he wanted to express grace, but you know, we as disciples of Christ have got to convey and showcase Jesus Christ and his gracious nature, that balance between fully, fully, fully gracious the truth, fully in love. You know, I look back at my Christian lives and the times that were impacting me the most is when someone has told me the truth in love. And the truth is, without someone telling us the truth, sometimes, even with the best intentions, we, we go around and we don't see it. Because we have blind spots. And I, I don't know, if you're driving your car, sometimes there's blind spots in your car. Like for instance, last week on the way to work, as I coming to approach, I come in on the main road and I merge with another main road on my way to work, every day. And as I came in last week, I looked in my mirror, but there was nothing, and I came in, into the new road, just as I was doing, I had a big honking noise, I looked, in, looked around, there was this huge Range Rover just about to crash into me, and went to this horn, and it pulled up. and I just felt really, it was totally my fault, I felt really shaken. And I said, I apologise, I pressed my hazard light. I'm really sorry. But I didn't see him at all in my mirror because he was in my blind spot. Mm -hmm. I only only became aware of me when he started honking his horn. Now, what's the point is? The point is that we have blind spots in our character. And unless people tell us... Mm -hmm. You know, there are two ways ways you can get rid of blind spots. Someone honks at you and says, brother, this is... And and maybe, you know, the other way is that we come forward ourselves. Or we make make the extra... Step of humility to, to get the help. And I think, you know, just um, the, the, the beauty of being in the family of God is that we can do that in a safe environment. And we can do it because the other person, hopefully, will do it in love and grace. And, and we need to practice grace so much more. I need to do it. Especially when it comes to the era of marriage. And, uh, you know, you talk about if there's a person that knows you better than anyone else, it's your spouse. If the person, if there's a person who sees you at the very worst, you can be, it's your spouse. I know for me, what Jillian what needs from me more than anything else is grace. What I need from Jillian more than anything else in abundance is grace. And I, I, Anything that we can do to encourage and, and, and practice grace in our lives, it's got to be good because it, it helps us be more like God. Because God is all about giving grace. In a situation happened um, a few years, a couple of years, a few years ago, we were going a holiday to Italy, and I planned this holiday, and we, we t- we're taking my mum on holiday as well. So I booked this, um, I booked this sort of um, bed and breakfast place. But before I realised I booked the wrong dates, and I booked it on Booking.com, <laughs> and the actual dates I wanted weren't quite right. I so I thought. So I ran. So I contacted them directly. So we've got these. Uh, we've got these bookings. Can I cancel it and get the dates that actually work? Uh, are you have you got availability on the dates we actually needed? Because on Booking.com, They weren't available. I said, Yeah, we've got those dates available directly. So it's fine. So you know you can you can go ahead and cancel if you want. So I cancelled and thought and I tabled an email. Yeah, we want these dates so and so. As per our phone conversation to confirm and so, I sent off the email. This was like three or four months before we were going. Anyway, three or four days before we were actually going to go, I looked at my um, email and I noticed the email that I supposedly have sent was still in the outbox. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh my goodness, how confirmed. I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Quick. And because we were taking my, my mom on holiday, we needed two, two rooms. So I could like, go on site, and I'll fully book the place. Let find somewhere else. And I found somewhere else at three and Show notice, oh, great. ah, great a bit more expensive than I was hoping to pay, but yeah, great, we've got a place at short notice. But then I went back to the original place. I'm sorry, I didn't confirm the email. I'm sorry, maybe we'll, we'll stay with you some other time. I said, no, I know you didn't get the email, but we've confirmed with you. And, and we're expecting you, and if you don't, you'll incur the oh, so, well, let me go back and cancel what I just wanted. Oh no, because it was three or four days before, there was no canceling. There was there was no you couldn't cancel for free. It was a full cost incurred. Six hundred euros, please. But, but I just booked an, an hour ago. Too, too bad. So I was really so so you know, I was double booked and I couldn't cancel. And so I got these six hundred euros. And I told Jillian, and I was expecting possibly that she would be a little bit annoyed, but she wasn't at all. No at all. She was. Hey, that's life. and she didn't mention it at all. <laughs> Either then or at the holiday, I thought. And I felt, I felt a bit <laughs> more burdened because I was more burdened by myself. But, hey, man, but, I appreciated so much Gillian's gracious view of the whole thing, yes. no, which was yes. which was great because, because a few weeks ago, Jillian <laughs> 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 and and my son my eldest son Daniel went on holiday to Spain to San Sebastian, and I didn't go because I just started a new job. I would have been taking off unpaid leave and I couldn't really. Win. So they went on the holiday together, and. Julian said, Well, I've booked the accommodation; they're great, and Daniel has booked the flights. I thought, I heard them, and a little alarm bell went to my head. Daniel has booked the flights, because I said Daniel has many, many talents. But attention to detail is not one of them. I thought, Okay, no, but. And so they got on the day and they went off on the boat. So Daniel, well, the flights okay. They went off on all this. So it, obviously, he's done a good job. and you know, He needs to grow up and so on. Anyway, it was the day they were due to come back. This is a few oh. weeks ago. The day they were due to come back, and I get this phone call at work, and, um, you know, Gillian on the phone saying, you know, they're, 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 we've got some good news, we've got some bad news. The good news is we have our tickets to come our uh, 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 um, uh, flights to come back. The bad news, they're booked for November. <laughs> 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 and, and, <laughs> this, is, this is back in the end of August. And I thought, my goodness, And so, and I checked and there were no flights, so the flight they we were supposed to be, was fully booked, so I thought, but at that point, I, you know, I, did, I, I felt so bad with Gillian um, and um, Daniel, stuck in Spain, due to come back, nowhere to go, and um, I was managed to get flights, not back to uh, Manchester, but back to London, and I, you know, I was able to book them and so on, and they were able to come back the next day, and oh, no, so the same day. Now, it was a few hundred pounds I wasn't, I wasn't planning to spend, the thing is though, I genuinely, at the end of it, felt great about being able to return and because then Dan was so because I'm so sorry, Dad, I like to pay for all of I said, don't bother, just learn from the experience, you know. But uh, it was genuinely, I genuinely thought, it's, you know, the, uh, the, the opportunity to rescue my family from what was found in the airport. And I thought, you know, just the idea of extending grace to one another, you know, it's so, because it, it helps us be more like God. Yeah. It helps us connect and um, allow God to work in our lives in an amazing way. You know, you know, just, um, you know the idea that um, you know, we need... Because grace is such an important part of our lives. Yes, we need truth as well. But it has to be combined with spirit of grace. You know, the, you know, we need, we need each other, and then, I don't know, did, did any of you know, care about what happened last week weekend, I'm sure you did, with the, you know, the, one of the greatest barriers in sports being broken? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, last, last week, um, I think it was Sunday morning, the, um, one of the greatest barriers in sport, the self-two-hour marathon, mm-hmm. was broke, which was, an unbelievable, was just an unbelievable feat of human endeavor. And uh, it was done in a very controlled experiment in the, in the streets of Austria, perfect conditions, mm. and, uh, in which, um, the, I forgot, the, the Kenyan just did it in 1 hour 59 and 40 seconds. But the way in which he did it was so reminiscent of the Christian life, because if you actually saw the event, they had um, a, 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 two, a, a path mapped out for them in the four and and kilometer uh, circuit. And it was flat, and he had lots of runners around him. But one of the things that was key for them to doing it this time around, because they attempted the it last year, in 2017, we failed by 26 seconds. Well, one of the reasons, the difference between this time last week and the time two years ago, was that two years ago they did it in an enclosed space in a the, in the, in the Monza racetrack, and there was no crowds. But this time round, they insisted it was in a public space in the center of Vienna, Austria. Loads of crowds, and the crowds encouraged them along, yes. so not just him, but also all the pace-setters. And he was able to, able to do it in an amazing, I mean, unbelievable feat of human endurance. But in a, in a, the thing that was so encouraging is right at the end, when he actually did it, the first person he, he hugged was his wife and his children. But you know, the idea that, you know, that's so reminiscent of our journey as Christians. We have the path mapped out for us, we have pace setters, Jesus Christ, but we also have the cloud of witnesses and friends and and, and fellow brothers and sisters to encourage us and inspire us in our journey. You know, so that ultimately we too can get the ultimate prize, it's not a marathon on the two hours but getting to heaven. And I think, you know, if we're going to do that, we need the idea of being full of grace and full of truth. You know we need to have speak the truth in love, tell the truthful conversation, but do it in a manner of grace. As it says, as Paul says in Colossians, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And the salt is the truth of telling things as it is. But I and I hope you know as we you know as we even contemplate these things, I, I really pray that we too can be able to show these gracious, truthful conversations and have closer relationships, that we can empower us to be able to impact other souls for Christ. And you know, what we have is amazing, as disciples of Christ. What we have, God wants to use us in an amazing way. And sometimes we forget what we have. You know, Jill and I were privileged to be at a marriage retreat for all the married couples in the Manchester church last weekend. And we went to a venue, funny enough, which, a hotel, which was used for marriage. In fact, they had lots of married couples. They are coming in and out, where they, as a venue for marriages. When we arrived, our group from the church, the the the, the, the employees of the hotel were blown away. They've never seen any group. So, who are you guys? Well, I can't believe the chemistry between all of you. And I thought we we thought we we're just being ourselves as disciples, mm-hmm. but they were moved to the point. Yeah, they found out about your church. Wow. And the. the and I think when we go, we got to understand appreciate and appreciate what we have is so great. So as we go from here, let's really take to heart being full of grace and full of, full of truth so that we can be Jesus Christ to a lost world. Amen. Thank you.